Welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast series. Our guest today is Jessica Joins. As a best-selling author, coach, and inspirational speaker, she helps people master the 12 lessons that have been essential to her journey as featured in her book Dare to Believe. She worked through many corporate jobs over the last two decades, co-founding a consultancy in 2012 to her role as a global chief marketing officer at Rakuten. More than a decade working at some of the world's leading advertising agencies. In 2018, Jessica published her first book, Dare to Believe: Twelve Lessons for Living Your Soul Purpose, quickly becoming a bestseller on Amazon. She's also a contributing author to Thrive Global and new TV show, Soul Purpose Sessions, on the United Intentions Network. Jessica has been awarded a Bronze TV Award for her contributions to marketing and holds an MS in Communications from Cornell University. Hi Jessica, welcome to Woman to Woman podcast series. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Now doing great, and so excited to have you here today with us. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm really excited to be with you. So you're best known for your sole purpose, and that was a self discovery journey. So let's start there. If you can just tell us how it all came about for you. It's really like the story of my life. So I'm going to try to keep it a bit、um, succinct for you. But what what I found is that Whenever you connect to your soul purpose, which I'll define in a moment, you kind of have this this hindsight twenty twenty where you see that every point that came before was tied to it, and so that's been a real revelation for me. But it's pretty simple. I for a long time, you know, did not do what I really wanted to do, what my heart was calling me to do. So it really started back like in the college years. I didn't study what I really wanted to study. In college, because it felt like, oh my god, that will never make me money. Oh, that's kind of silly. Oh, that's a waste of time. So I came at it from a real, what I like to call, like survival consciousness mindset. The thought was, what do I need to do in this world, like to survive it? You know, which is, and me and my concept at the time was like earn money so I can thrive, be happy, all these kinds of things. And what that resulted in is a really successful, like, corporate career in marketing. My last job, I was a global CMO of a massive company, but one that wasn't fulfilling to me. You know, I would wake up every day in a lot of fear and a lot of dread. I didn't want to go to this job, and there was a part of me, and I'd like to call it like a, a higher, more evolved part of me, that knew that something was wrong with this. I would look around and I'd see that everyone was kind of more or less doing the same thing. I mean, no one could really say like, "Wow, I love my job. I'm so excited to get up and go." But、um, we just kind of all surrendered to like, "This is life. This is what you do." And there's something in me that couldn't surrender to that. I was like unwilling to accept, you know, that the thing that we had all agreed to do, which is like, get on the train, go to these jobs we sort of like, make money, pay the bill. I was like, I can't believe that this is going to be my experience for my lifetime. Like, how did we all agree for this to be the human experience? And so there was just this nagging there that I couldn't ignore. But the problem was I didn't know a way out of what I knew, which was like climbing this corporate ladder. I didn't know or have a, a possibility or a, a vision for my life beyond like traditional structures that were available to me and that were presented to me. But you know, pain is a beautiful thing. You know, pain is always the portal. And、um, I got in enough pain and unhappiness living in New York City at the time, working eighty hours a week. Like you know, I was burnout.、Um, I was breaking down mentally, emotionally, and physically. And the universe gave me a huge gift. I was laid off. And at that time, you know, the smart thing to have done 
you know, and what a lot of like people in my circles were telling me, they're like, oh, wow, you got a great severance from being laid off. Cause I was pretty senior at the time. You could get another job and have like two salaries. And I was in my heart was saying, take a break, get out of here, get out of the country, like go travel. And I was 36 at the time. So it was kind of a strange thing to do. If you're, you're going to say you're going to go travel for a year by yourself, which is what I wanted to do. And so I actually listened to my heart and I went and did that. And I like to say like, that was the, the kind of beginning of the conscious awareness of the journey I was on, which was to help create a life tied to what I love, tied to a spiritual calling. And it, it just so happened that my spiritual calling is also like spiritual work. It doesn't have to be per se, but my, my goal was, and, and this is kind of where the title of my book came up, Dare to Believe, was that I'm going to dare to believe that the truth in my heart is more real than the one I'm seeing. Meaning that everything that I was wanting in here, even though this outer world was saying, that's not really possible. No, that's not how life works. Da, da, da. I was going to believe what was, what was happening here more than the outer world. And the more that I believe this, I could shape my outer world to reflect what was in here, but I had to believe what was being said to me here first. And so then that was the beginning of the journey, but it was about six years after that, that I actually finally made a, a leap and like left the corporate world for good. Now there's nothing against the corporate world for me. It didn't serve me and started stepping in to, um, my sole purpose, which, you know, ironically is to help others align with theirs. So you traveled a year by yourself around the world? Through mostly Southeast Asia and uh, India. And yeah, for, for about nine months. Yeah. How, how was that? Like, like, had you ever been there before or did you just decide, like, how did you decide where to go? Yeah. Well, I'd been in Thailand on a vacation about, I want to say a year or two before I forget the exact timing now. And I felt a real calling to go back to the part of the world. I didn't know why it was really like a, just a feeling. And, and now I just believe in like trusting those intuitive hits and those nudges and those feelings. I felt really called to start in Vietnam. And so, yeah, I bought a one-way ticket to Vietnam and I didn't have much of a plan. I knew what I was going to do like the little first part of, part of the trip. I knew I wanted to head to Cambodia. I didn't have a whole lot of planning around it. What I decided at the time that is that I was going to go for however long it felt good and right. And I'd come back whenever the time felt right. In my head, I really thought it'd be about three months. I, I didn't expect it to be so long, but you know, this was after a lot of years of just continuous like work and pushing myself really hard. You know, I really needed the time and space to reconnect to myself. I won't say I figured out who I am on that journey, but to you know initiate the the figuring out and a better understanding of myself. I'm I'm just so curious because you know every time like if I have to leave my house for a week you know, just for a week, I do so much planning, you know, <laughs> who feeds the dogs, who does this, who does that. And we are all so surrounded with our materialistic things. I'm sure you were living in New York, you had an apartment, you had a car or whatever else. How, how did you just up and say, okay, I'm just going to go on this trip, one way ticket and then figure things out. Yeah, and you were pretty young too, right? I was 36. So, I mean, yes, now, you know, being 46, I look back and go, oh my God, I was so young, but it didn't feel that young at the time, especially to do a trip like that. People do this like in their twenties. Right. And I was very aware of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
you know, logistically, it's like I subletted my apartment in New York, you know, I, and that, and it's like, you know, you're in alignment when everything is smooth and easy. Like it was almost the moment I decided I was leaving and I told someone, they said, oh, I know someone that really needs a sublet apartment for, a few, you know, like everything was fluid. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be able to do it, I sacrificed some, it's like hilarious. I had so many miles from traveling so much at the time. It's like, I flew their business class, but with a backpack. And then I was, you know, doing like a level above a hostel while I was traveling. I wasn't quite doing that, but I, you know, it was not in five-star resorts at all, but I've always had a bit of a adventurous heart and been a person that values spontaneity, but I hadn't really like tapped into that part of myself in quite some time. So it was like a real self-recovery, you know, because that's like who I'd always been, but I'd kind of lost that part of myself, but it's kind of still who I am today. I love to be surprised. I love adventure. I don't want to know everything. So how was your childhood growing up? Like, was that adventurous too? Not necessarily from uh, what it looked like, but like my heart and who I was loved that kind of stuff. I was really into theater and acting as a kid and, you know, which is all like play and imagination and, and so much like pretend on steroids that I was always you know, drawn to that, you know, jump into those opportunities when they presented themselves. So yeah, so it was definitely was like a re kind of connection of bringing some of that inner child back out for sure. Looking back, do you think some of the things that you had perceived as things that you had to do and just looking at others that you mentor and coach that those things are really not important? Well, and it, it was all, I always say like my own limitation was totally self-induced. So there was nothing I was told, you know, other than like going to college and, you know, graduate school and like the education piece, but there's nothing I was really told like I had to do other than that. I imposed my own self-limitation from my own um, insecurities and fears. When I was young and, and I talk about this a bit in my book, like it was totally like I wanted to be in acting and film, but I also had like these visions of you know, what I, I didn't understand at the time, but what I today would be like motivational speaking, which is a lot of what I now do today. And then I really pursued acting for a long time. And then I had like some rejection in my early teens, you know, and that, that was really devastating to me. And so my, my insecurity started to like get down. And then by anyway, by the time I was like, pick a major and all of that. And again, it was not told to me by anyone. It, I came up with it all on my own it was, oh my God, like that's such a hard thing to break into. I'll never break into it. Like if I do that, what I'll end up doing is waiting tables till I'm 40. I better pick something that's more secure. Like that was all on me, you know, like 100%. And I, it was a very brain logical decision to go into advertising. Well, advertising still kind of creative, you know, back then it wasn't digital, it was television commercials. So it, it was like this total conscious compromise. It was a total conscious compromise because I had somehow for whatever reason, like put an X on the other thing, like not possible, not possible. And I think that's what we do, you know, in, in life, energetically, there's the energy of fear, which is doubt limitation, you know, of any form. And then there's this like energy of love, which is really an energy of freedom. And both are always present and we're always choosing in any moment, which we're aligning with. And in that moment, I chose to align with fear, but I believe, you know, hindsight being 2020, I had to go through that to get connected later in life to, to my two pur true purpose and the spiritual assignment I signed up for. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it was so interesting. And then, you know, I will say like a lot of the messaging at the time and what I like to look to shift, and you still hear it a lot, is like it was, it's a very skills-based approach to career and to life. 
it's very much like do what you're good at. And I'm like, I don't believe in that. And you still hear that a lot. I now I thoroughly based on my experience, do what you love because I was really good at math, but I should have never been a mathematician. And I think like the do what you're good at is like this, this scarcity mindset. Like we're only good at a few things. If we're honest, we're good at a lot of things, but it's finding the intersection. Like the love should lead. And by the way, like what you love, you will be good at because the universe isn't cruel. But that was a lot of the message at the time too. So it was a very analytical decision. It wasn't a heartfelt decision. And you know, the choices you make of what you're going to study and, and what happens is you get in the career and you just start getting so far down or, you know, that ladder, like you start to feel trapped because if you want to switch, it's like, I have to feel, I have to start over and take a huge salary cut and like all these things, which at the end of the day don't really matter. But that was the, the cycle and the trapping that I got myself into, which again, I had, I had to fully go through. I see that now, but it didn't feel that way at the time. You travel nine months, you come back, you have discovered yeah. what really you're passionate about, what motivates you. And you are I happy. hadn't discovered it then. No, I hadn't discovered it then. I had started to just um, have a belief and like, I'm, you know, I'm going to get to paid, paid to be me one day. I'm going to find out it was, is a determination to get paid to do what makes me happy. But I didn't know what that was yet. It was more just like, I came back with, I'm not going to do this other stuff again. That doesn't bring me joy. And, you know, to my credit, like I never went back and had another job at an ad agency, which is what I had done until that point. But it was then like a six year kind of discovery process for sure. When did this book come about? Was that at the end of the sixth year or was that something yeah. right after you came back? That came out in 2018. So it was a, two years after I left the corporate environment. And it was after I had really felt that I completely understood what the soul purpose journey is. I wrote the book and I published it myself as quickly as I could, because I really felt that I had uncovered something that could help people. And I wanted to get it out there. And thank you for asking the question, because at the same time, when I was trying to figure out like, how do you anchor your life to doing what makes you happy? How do you figure out purpose? You know, I did all the traditional things. I did like the skills assessment, right? And you're, I just gave my opinion about that. Um, I did, you know, a lot of the, I would say more analytical approaches, like purpose assessment, even like the Simon Sinek, the concentric circles. And I, I get it. And I see the value in that. But all all those exercises put you in a headspace and you're never going to think your way into your purpose. That is what I found. Purpose is something to be revealed, uncovered through trusting in your heart's resonance, where it's guiding you, but not necessarily understanding where it's leading, where it's landing, what the outcome is. Just trusting in the unfoldment, the flow of the unfoldment, okay? And that's in a nutshell. But what I had realized at that time is that for me, it was a spiritual approach. And I've always been a spiritual seeker. I've been uh, a spiritual student. When I also looked to spirituality to help me figure this out, what happened when I did that is there wasn't enough like spiritual practicality. Like I got in concept, the idea of surrendering the outcome. I got in concept that I needed to release my limiting beliefs in order to um, have my purpose revealed to me. I understood principles of manifestation. But at the same time, what I really needed is like, well, what do I, I understand all these principles and theories, but what do I do each day? <laughs> because like, I've got a problem here. <laughs> I cannot can go back to the corporate world. I need to start creating a life anchored to what I love, but making money because we still live in this world. You know, it was, I started creating my own practices based on these spiritual teachings and I started doing them. And that is what led me to like the uncovering and the stepping into leading 
living my purpose. And so the book is really the 12 lessons and it's really step-by-step what to do. As soon as I kind of had the aha that I really more or less had figured this out and for whoever a spiritual approach, they're also feeling called to in terms of purpose. And so, I mean, I put it in a, it took me like two or three months to write the book. It was very quick because I felt an urgency to get it out there. You also run a group, right? Women's Purpose. It started as a retreat. Now it's a group. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, you know, because through all of this, what I, what unfolded for me and what, um, through trusting my heart's resonance, you know, through having a vision, surrendering it is that is that my purpose lies inherently in working with women and um, particularly, you know, women in the executive space or the corporate space. So that started with coaching, but in 2018 as well, the same year of the book, I launched the Women's Purpose Retreat, which is an intimate gathering for women who are committed to leading and living on purpose, but also who really want to do deep soul level discovery work real self-awareness work. The retreat was so well received and there were very few spaces where women at this level could come together in a peer-to-peer setting and truly share from the heart, truly cry with one another, truly like forge these deep bonds. And I don't think men do this on the golf course, but what, you know, started saying, they're like, this is the answer to what men have had on the golf course. You know what I mean? But like, I don't think men are coming together and crying on the golf course. I could be wrong, but it became, and it just really took off because it was so needed. And, you know, it is very lonely at the top as a woman. And, and so from there it's grown. And in February, it, I launched it as the Woman's Purpose Community, which is a safe space for senior executive women who want to do the vulnerable work of self-discovery. Uh, we started with 30 members and it's just been taking off and growing and and uh, it's been a, tr- a true joy. And again, this wasn't something I had imagined originally. This is just me following the paths of resonance. This is just me trusting in where my heart is going, not always understanding the bigger picture or what it's going to look like or where it's going, but, but following the resonance, honoring the resonance, having faith in the resonance. So are there any observations based on all these sessions you have had with women, especially at the high level, as you said, it's a very lonely place. We don't have a lot of women executives up there. What are some of the challenges that you feel these women are facing that you have seen firsthand? And what would you say is a good way of dealing with these challenges? Yeah. Well, I think, and I think last year with COVID has been like a whole new set of challenges. I mean, women had to balance things in a totally unimaginable way. I can't tell you how many times during coaching last year, it was just like to sit and listen to someone cry, you know, because it was just so overwhelming to try to continue to do it all. And we saw so many women leave the workforce last year as a result. I think one of the main things I see is, and I'll call it this idea of just being your whole self. So in the past, like women have had to wear all these different hats and different personas and different personalities. And there was for good reason, you know, is a real dominant male energy world. Men created the business world and some of those tenants and what works there have continued to be. So, you know, I experienced it myself when I moved uh, from California to New York for a bigger job in advertising. I realized I'm like, I couldn't be like nice, smiley California girl and get anything done. I had to put on like a hardcore, like bitch demeanor. And I kind of like became someone I didn't like. And so in the past, so that's changing. Like women have had a like this kind of persona at work, right? You can't, you got, can't have those softer edges. You're viewed as weak, you know, blah, 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 all these kind of things, right? So you're wearing all these different hats and that's exhausting. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really work and help you thrive. So a lot of what I, I do with women is like, okay, getting them feel safe and comfortable, which is like, who are you? 
You know, when you're not the mom at home, when you're not, you know, the badass boss bitch, like who, like, who are you truly? And how can you just be that person more consistently? And we'll even like kind of go through like identifying, you know, specific behaviors, kind of actions and making it like really tangible. So I think like that's one way. And that's uniquely tied to like the main thing, which is balance. That alone, just be giving yourself permission to be a single person can really help with the balance struggle, which so many different women face. I think women too, and men, men do too. I, I see it too, but we, we still really suffer. You know, the, the clinical term is like imposter syndrome, but I just call it like a lack of confidence and a really loud ego, ego being the voice of fear in our heads that presents as the voice of reason. You know, we doubt ourselves and we beat ourselves up when we're so hard on it. So kind of stepping out one, having, you know, awareness for those storylines awareness that your ego isn't you. It's just a part of you. So you can kind of step more into an observer of that rather than identifying with those storylines. So you're not beholden to them and like a prisoner of them. Another really, you know, powerful thing that, that women can do for themselves in the workspace. So as you said, a lot of women wear this persona based on what's expected out of them. Yeah. Right. Either to make it to that position or to stay in a certain position. So now once you start working with them, what are some of the techniques you use? Because one day you cannot be like really a hardcore boss, you know, saying you need to do this to the next day, being truly yourself. You know, there, there has to be some kind of a balance. So how do you recommend somebody who's trying to be themselves, you know, not, not have to juggle through so many personas in a day? Where should they start? Reconnecting to and envisioning who your true self is. That can be some journaling. That can be writing a, a description of who you are. That can be done also like through looking at the values that are really important to you. That can be, which we recently did in the community, I call creating a true self vision board. You know, like, so it's first like remembering, getting in touch and or recreating if you're lost in a shirt, like who you actually are. Like that's kind of the hard work in defining that. And then from there, you know, the kind of natural changes you need to make or might want to make start to reveal themselves. That question alone, like, which is like being your whole self, it's, it's reminding yourself and defining yourself through whatever works. It can be vision board. It can be narrative description, like who you really are, you know, interlaced. I think it's really important with the values that define you that are important to you. And from there, a lot of pieces start to really fall in place, you know, cause after that, it's more, I'll call it like nuts and boltsy. It's like, okay. So knowing this, what are you doing at work that is not in alignment with this? What are you doing at home that's not in alignment with this? Okay, and then how are you gonna go, like how, how do you change that? Is it setting a boundary, changing a certain behavior, right? Is it, you know, having a pause every time you think you're gonna, you know, go into this kind of toxic behavioral cycle and choosing differently. But it's really like just getting clear on articulating like who you are and who you want to be to start and knowing that you have the permission to be that you know, you don't, you don't have to kind of do the dance in the way that we used to anymore, you know, that that's available to you. You know, an another thing around it, and it's really with any work and definitely with the sole purpose work is really getting into the limiting storylines or limiting beliefs that are blocking you and understanding that those are beliefs, even though they feel like facts sometimes that you chose, you chose them. And that's a great sense of empowerment because if you chose them, you can choose new ones as well. Knowing that your beliefs create your reality. 
You know, you are experiencing what you believe. Your thoughts are always reflected back to you in the manifestation of your reality. So that's like some real important empower work, empowerment work too, because someone might have a belief like, oh my God, no, if I like show up like this, I'm going to get fired. I don't, are you really? You know what I mean? So it's, it's looking at the kind of blocks and limitations that can feel like facts, but are actually just things you choose to believe. Well said. In terms of values, did you have certain values and have they carried you along through this soul purpose journey or have they changed over time? Yeah, in truth, I, I'm like at a point where I want to relook at my own values again, but they have carried me. I mean, one was daring which, you know, you can see like with the, uh, the trip and all those kinds of things, passion has always been so important to me. And I, I like, as a kid, I go back, I like so much passion for acting and dancing and singing. And I lost that along the way. You know, I used to have so much passion for music. So like, that is like always been like a really two important values for me too, that have been you know, guideposts in my life, compassion and um, love and kind of selfless love for others continues to grow and take like shape and new form in new ways in my life as well. But yeah, I mean, values, I think are what, you know, there's no right or wrong. There's you being honest with yourself and choosing what you want to anchor your life to. What are going to be your North Stars? And that's another great empowerment tool. Like you get to choose it. So in your spare time now, do you ever try to go back, do some more acting or music or anything like that? Well, the part of my story, which we skipped over is had like these kind of uh, dances into soul purpose through that like whole corporate career. And then I just get scared and I'd go back to the corporate career. I did this dance back and forth for, you know, two times in particular. And one of them was in my twenties, you know, after my like first big kind of, you know, career in advertising. And I, I went and I really pursued the career in acting. And it was a great thing for me to do because I realized I was like, okay, actually, it's not for me, you know, like it's, it's not for me professionally. After kind of going through that journey, I really did release it and surrender it. I get what I get out of that or what I loved out of that through, you know, my podcast and my speaking and doing all of that nowadays. But I don't know. I think maybe later at some point I would totally love to do like a community play or something like that again. It'd be super fun. Yeah. No, that's a great platform to convey messages, right? Yeah. Love the yeah. community place. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So in terms of uh, friends that you had growing up, have you ever kept in touch with them? And what is your network like? Like I'm sure from corporate world to what you do today, it's a very different circle of people you interact with. So how has that network carried through? Any common people still hanging there? Yeah. So I we moved when I was like, right before junior high and the friends from like the first part of my childhood because of that move I lost touch with but I still like many friends from like my junior high and high school years I'm a cancer which like one of the attributes is like loyalty you know what I mean so I totally have got that going on so I mean I totally have friends from like high school I have friends from college and graduate school then I you know I have a lot of friends you know from like you know professionally that I met throughout the years lately more than and then I have you know a lot of spiritual community friends as well but lately like I mean what's kind of amazing because I really never imagined this for myself, even though I'm leading the women's purpose community, but 
it's also like my tribe. Like many of the women in there are like my dearest and closest friends. That has been um, a surprise. Uh, when I left New York and moved back to Los Angeles, which is where I'm based now, a big part of it was I wasn't feeling connected to community in the way I wanted to. And intuitively, I felt it would be back here. And I thought it was going to be something I was going to find. I didn't realize it was going to be something I was going to create. So that was a that was a huge surprise, massive surprise to me. Seeing all the people around you, do you think there are certain things that we as women should be doing a little bit more of? Honoring yourself. You know, I don't like to have opinions on you should be doing more of this or that because that's based on my understanding and perception of the world and I don't know you. You know, I I think women trusting themselves, honoring what they truly want and and listening to that and having the courage to honor that you know, to say no to more and yes to more of themselves in whatever that looks like is what I always try to encourage to really, and to just trust yourself. You know, all the wisdom that you need is within, you know, yourself better than I could in a thousand years or any coach you work with or whoever, like trust what you know is inside and be willing to honor what you find. So any closing comments, Jessica? If you're out there and you're in a life that doesn't serve you right now, if you're not waking up and finding that you're happy in what you do or in the circumstances of your life, that that might not feel like a choice, but it is. And you can choose to create something different at any time. Like the universe wants you to be happy. The universe wants you to live your highest potential in life. Your potential in life is to be happy doing what you're doing, getting paid to do it, all those things. But you do have to choose it for yourself. And you choose it through not listening to the voice of fear in your head and instead trusting the truth that's in your Thank you so much, Jessica. It was great having you with us today and we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be with you.